Welcome, everyone. I'm Grandpa Jimmy, your host, and you're listening to the Family and Stories podcast. My guest today has a really great story to tell. And although it begins like so many others, what makes it unique is how God changed her life and now uses that story to help others. Truly, in her case, what the devil would have liked to have done was destroy her and her future. Instead, God stepped in and has used her to bring hope and healing and restoration to thousands of young people. Laura is a wife and a mother of three. She's an author and a speaker, and she communicates with a style that inspires students across the nation. Her call to write and to speak began at about 2008 with an emphasis on sexual integrity, and she still speaks on that today, but her message is much broader than that. And she presents the gospel to young people in a very special way. She's an author of the book, The Delusion. It's a novel series. It's going to be a three-book series. It's been published by Tyndall House. She's been on TV and radio and broadcast around the world. She travels extensively. But here's the important thing. She always manages to keep her priorities in order with her husband and three children. So, Laura Gallier, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so honored to join you today. Why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about your family? I would love to. Um, I'm in Northwest Houston. I've been married to my husband, Patrick, for almost 20 years, and we have three children. Our oldest um, is married. Her name is Madison, and she um, is doing awesome in life and pursuing her education while she's married. And then we have a 17-year-old daughter as well, and we have a 10-year-old little boy. Um, at one point, we had my nephew living with us, so we had four at one time, but we know what it's like to have a busy household, and um, yeah, we just keep family first, just like you said. So there's no grass growing under your feet? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> You're moving all the time. Well, what was life like for you growing up? You know, it was very, very different than what I experienced today in family life. My mother and father separated when my mom was pregnant with me and my mom never did remarry. And so I grew up in a single parent household. My mom um, did the noble thing and worked very, very hard to provide for my sister and me. But that meant that I was raised in daycare. Obviously it's wonderful that she you know, provided care for me, but there were some real drawbacks of being away from my mom all day. Uh, that really caught up with me when I got older. We can talk about that at some point if it comes up. But suffice it to say, I just had hit and miss visits with my father. And at the time, as a young girl, I just could not uh, fathom the impact that it would have on me and my choices um, later in life as a young teen, especially in young adult, that I didn't have a father and that I didn't have an example of a loving marriage. And I didn't have a clue about God's plan for sexuality and family. And um, so even though I was so blessed to stay the night with a friend in the third grade, uh, her mom shared the gospel with me. I became born again as a child. Um, I cherished that. I know that was God pursuing me. At the same time, I went back to my home where there was little to no emphasis whatsoever on um, learning the Bible or cultivating a relationship with God. So you could say I had a, a heart for God, but a head full of the world. 
And so again, in those um, teen years, I took my cues and impressions and values from the world, totally clashed with my spirit and just lived a very defeated lifestyle um, throughout my teen and young adult years. Did you ever feel like you were missing a dad? Was that something that you thought about often or did it just not matter at the time? You know, what's interesting is you feel that something's wrong. I remember feeling very unsafe. I remember feeling very unprotected, so much so that as a young girl, four and five years old, I really took on a masculine identity. I can identify um, with these children. They get gender confused because it wasn't about sexual orientation at that point. It was just that I felt unprotected. And so I sort of took on that protective role. Basically, what you sense throughout your your um, childhood is that there's something missing but I couldn't put my finger on it until I got older and the Lord helped, you know, reveal his plan for family and the value of mother and father and their roles. Then I was able to connect it all much better. Yeah. When you look back, it, it, things change, don't they? Things seem completely different when you have that perspective, especially with your own family like you have now. Exactly. God has been so good to redeem all of the brokenness. It was not an easy journey, but he is so faithful to do that. Now, things really began to fall apart when you went to college. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, as a a young teen, again, I was taking my cues from the world. I was desperate for love and affirmation. I battled a very debilitating sense of worthlessness, which I equate now to just, again, a lack of consistent time with my mom and loving environment. And uh, my dad's visits always, you know, ending with this goodbye and not knowing when I'd see him again. There were just a lot of factors that contributed, but Suffice it to say, I had no clue, again, about God's plan for sexuality or family. And so by the time I was in the eighth grade, I had my first boyfriend, and I just thought that was going to be the answer to all of my problems, and that he was going to love me and make me feel good about myself. And um, very quickly, the relationship turned sexual. And here I was, just an eighth grade girl. But it's amazing how when we're young, we think we know everything. And, no, that uh, that's not true with teens. Right. I just I knew I knew I even knew about STDs and pregnancy, but in my mind that was never going to happen to me. I thought for sure I was going to marry that boy that you know again he was going to love me forever. And we didn't even make it until the ninth grade that relationship. And then from there, I had such a sense of being broken and used that um, I bought into another lie, which is that you know I could never be pure, have values. And so I spent my high school years just looking for that love match and giving my whole heart and body to boyfriends and just becoming more and more damaged in my pursuit to feel healed and whole. So I was going about it the exact wrong way all throughout high school. And then finally, um, in college, as a young woman in college, I was in a very abusive relationship. It was not healthy at all. I was actually trying to help him by dating him, which is never a good idea. And I became pregnant and I was shocked. I was 20 years old. You know, I'd always kept the side of my life secret. I was um, a successful leader on my dance team at the time. And um, no one knew that I struggled with sexual temptation the way I did. And that I was, you know, promiscuous. I just didn't know that about me except for my very closest friends. So I ended up dropping out of college at 20 years old and um, marrying this man who was not healthy. And um, because I couldn't believe it that here I was um, going to have a baby. I didn't want to be a single mom like what I had grown up in. That was the last thing I wanted for my child. And so um, I got married. It was a very abusive, broken marriage. 
And um, what a defining moment came when I realized um, after he had left, he, he, um, we separated and then he moved on. It was a very difficult time. My daughter was only two years old. And this was, you're all about defining moments, Jimmy. So this was when I remember uh, where I was sitting on the couch and it hit me that God's commandments are for my protection. You know, that that is actually a major revelation. People look at commandments as restrictions, and they're really there for protection. Truly. I was a rebellious person. I did not take the time to even learn God's commandments. I resented them because, remember, I had tied my need for love to sexuality, which was just broken in and of itself. But so it felt like almost like God was standing in the way of me trying to find love. But I had this aha moment when here I am, single, going through a divorce, dragging this innocent child through this mud of my decisions. And I realized in such a supernatural way, really just that revelation that, oh my gosh, you were trying to protect me, Lord. You've always had my best interest at heart. Your plan for sex is never about, um, you know, testing us or, you know, taking away pleasure. It was always about protecting the good treasure that it is and the, and the, the priceless gift of family. So that was definitely, I was 22 years old. And that was when I drew that proverbial line in the sand and said, you know what, I'm going to do things your way from here on out. And that changed everything. You were a novice when it came to the, to the things of God. How did you transition your life or what took place? Well, I immersed myself in a, a church and, um, you know, there's no such thing as perfect church, but they, taught the word of God. And I began to read the Bible for myself. And I had always, since I was a little girl, God was so good. I would go out into my backyard and I would experience his presence. His presence so transcends a building or a church service. And so I knew how to get into God's presence. And so I began to just really pray and seek him and discover what his word said about sex and family. And I saw clear as day that he reserves sex for marriage, that it's, it's part of the covenant that we share with our soulmate. And so I went through a time of repentance. There was all kinds of shame. You know, I did shameful things. I associated sex with shame. I had a lot of healing to do and a lot of forgiving people and myself. I came from a family, this sounds strange, but on the one hand, there was just a lot of lust in my family, but there was also a lot of cynicism towards men and male bashing. So I just had a lot of mind renewal and forgiving and healing to do during that time. And I ended up meeting um, through mutual friends, a wonderful man named Patrick, who was just such a man of God. And we laid down the law early on about our boundaries. And here he was grown. You know, we were adults, um, but we had some very good boundaries in place. We weren't alone. We didn't go to each other's. um, I didn't go to his apartment where we would be by ourselves. And and we walked the walk and we pursued, you know, premarital abstinence. Wasn't easy, but it was so worth it to lay that foundation of love. And to build our relationship on a foundation of Christ. It was like nothing I had ever experienced before. So you were for the first time experiencing true love and not necessarily relating it to a sexual experience at all. Exactly. And I can honestly say that that was the first time that I related to a male. Now, obviously, there was, you know, chemistry and the whole romantic thing, but I had just never had a male that cared about me more than my sexuality and body. That was just, and it took time. It, it, it's taken years, honestly, even after being married to 
to understand that not all men are driven by lust. And these are things, again, that the media and honestly, just even I recognize now just demonic thoughts and philosophies that would come to my mind, that that's all a woman is good for. And that if you want attention, it's seductive or nothing. And I just had so many ungodly messages, but um, God has used my husband. He's not perfect, but he strives to be Christ-like. And um, he's used him to teach me that, no, men can be holy and godly and righteous and respect and love us in a very genuine way. We have a media that is desensitizing our kids constantly to these very issues. How do you address that? In our home, we are constantly contrasting. While You know, nowadays, it's even just commercials. It's not even just movies and TV shows. It's commercials that completely contradict. And first of all, we always come at it from, from that perspective of love. That God loves you. He loves people. He's protecting you. It's not about, oh, we, you know, we'd be so ashamed and embarrassed if you, you know, went out there and did something perverted. We're always trying to teach our kids that it's about protecting you. And so we do have very high media standards that we don't apologize for. We tell our kids that we don't serve God, you know, once a week or, you know, except for on the weekends. We don't take breaks from our relationship with God. We instill biblical truth unapologetically, but it, it instead of going the way of legalism and being overly strict in a way that's really fear-based parenting, it's all done in love. Well, you know, we really are contending for the hearts of our children. That's what it yeah. amounts to. You know, if you can win the heart, because from the heart comes behavior. If you can win their heart and and put that kind of a message into their heart, a lot of the behavior changes. Dramatically so. And I love to hear you say that because I think sometimes we miss that. And that goes back again to that family. It is so powerful when children see their mom and dad love each other, or at the very least, you know, my parents were divorced. There was animosity, huge hatred, vile things said back and forth from my mother to my father. And we have no idea how our kids and their identity and their sense of wholeness gets caught in that. And so um, letting go of our own bitterness, speaking highly of our kids' father or mother in any situation is huge. I love what Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole said. He said, the greatest thing a man can do for his children is love their mother. I mean, think about that. It is so true. And I know, again, there's situations where divorce happens and things outside of our control. The greatest thing we can do is show at the very least a respect for our our child's parent and not run them down in bitterness. Um, It just absolutely takes its toll on their own identity and sense of worth. Oh, that is so true. And I know Shirley and I have seen that in so many cases, both ways, where in a divorce situation, they were kind to each other in front of the kids, at least. And those who were not, and boy, does it take a toll when they are not. Absolutely. I mean, divorce, there's no way around it. It does have a negative you know, effect. That's the whole point. That's why God, he doesn't want our, our kids to experience the breaking of covenant. Um, that is not his ideal. It actually, uh, the word of God says he hates divorce. And I always say, he doesn't say he hates divorced people. I've been through a divorce. My first marriage ended. He doesn't hate divorced people, but he hates the breaking of covenant because it just causes hurt and harm. And he's such a covenant God and such a God of love and commitment. And that's um, the security that's really, really missing right now for so many young people is that love between mom and dad in the home. Or that is, that is absolutely for, for sure. And you know, there's one thing I like to say, please forgive me for taking a second to say this, but I, I always tell people that parenting uh, isn't a science, it's not a mathematical equation to be solved, but it's more like an art. And in one hand, you have this brush 
of love and responsibility. And in another, you have a palette of colors, which are words, actions, and deeds. And with those, you are painting an image on the canvas of their heart. It's who God is, and it's who they are in relationship to him. And that's what you've done with your own children. Yes, I love the way you put that. And anyone, I mean, I don't care if you've never cracked open a Bible, anyone can see that there is a fight to redefine what family is. And it's more than a philosophy or opinions or culture. It's truly about undermining um, God's plan for family because of how much he loves children and loves the next generation. Uh, The enemy hates children and hates the next generation. And so it becomes very polarizing and black and white. The more you see God's good plan for, for marriage and family and sexuality. Yeah, if the families were intact in America today, we would not be seeing what we're seeing on the streets today. Oh, exactly. It's huge. I mean, it, there's just no way that it's not going to affect our kids. And I don't say that to put fear. Um, there's all kinds of things we can do. I mean, just loving on them, praying for them, all the things you just talked about, um, encouraging them. I just, I, I think even my oldest daughter, I'll tell you that um, she went through that divorce and she's had some very difficult experiences as a result of being disconnected from her father. You know, there's things that God forgives and he even graces, but the, the consequences remain. Now, the good news is he, he promises to use everything for our good. And had I not experienced the difficulties in my life, I don't think I would have pursued God the Father the way I did. I desperately needed a father and God stepped in that role. So it's not about living with some horrible, you know, bondage sense of regret, but it, it does need to be sobering, especially if those who are in that, you know, what I would call that valley of decision, oh, I really like this guy at work or, the, you know, this woman, whatever, at the gym has really caught my eye. And there's this sort of weighing in the balance. I can tell you right now, there's nothing worth sacrificing our family. Nothing. It's absolutely not worth it. And take all that energy and invest it back into our marriage. It's amazing how God can restore and rekindle. Well, you know, you're creating a legacy in your life now that you never enjoyed. But for your kids, your grandkids in the future, and Shirley and I have experienced that, there's a legacy that nobody can take away from you. And what God puts together like that, it becomes a beautiful, beautiful picture. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. Now, you've taken all of this and you've put it into a a message, so to speak. But your life, really, what you're doing now is a result of this. Tell us what you're doing. Well, there's a couple of things. Um, I have, like you mentioned in the um, introduction, I do travel and speak quite a bit on God's plan for sexuality. And um, one of my favorite things that we have available just because it's so efficient is the Unashamed video series that goes over all these things we're talking about. God's plan for um, sexuality, dating, healthy attraction. It's all there um, on my website. And again, I just mentioned that because it's such a powerful resource. But I came to understand that there's sort of this bigger foundation when it comes to our decisions, whether we're choosing to pursue righteousness or worldliness. And it hit me some years ago that there's just a lack of understanding in the body of Christ, the reality of the strategies of the evil one. And um, certainly our focus is God. I don't dwell on the devil, but we are told to be aware of his schemes. And so that sent me on a journey of what I thought was going to be writing nonfiction, but it turned into fiction. And it's called the Delusion Series, and it just brings the reality of spiritual warfare to life. It is a young adult uh, series told through the eyes of a a young man who's 18 years old, certainly resonates with adults and people of all ages. Um, But I'm super excited about that and really devoted the last seven, eight years of my life to this project. We're also working on the film side. 
It's a really powerful thing. And the whole goal is just, if you picture the Wizard of Oz and you picture just pulling back that curtain and exposing Oz for the fraud that he is, we're just, I say we, because I have a team of people who've linked arms with me. And our goal is just to show young people today that um, the devil's out to still kill and destroy, but Jesus took care of him. We have power and authority over that. But until we know and understand his strategy and schemes and can discern his voice, you know, I didn't know as a young lady that that was a voice, a satanic voice that was telling me how worthless I was and that no man would ever want to be loyal to me and that all men cheat. You know, these are demonic things going on in our lives. And it's the opposite of the good shepherd's voice. And so this project is all about helping people get healed and whole and free from oppressive thoughts, emotions, even suicide is a major theme in this series. And we're just so excited because we see it's just time. It is time for this project to come to the forefront. Going back just a little bit here, but my wife and I raised a beautiful daughter. God just blessed her and and her life completely. But I'm thinking about girls that are teenagers. And they, what do you do? You meet these girls who have a, a background maybe like you had or far worse. How do you even get them interested in going beyond that and pulling back that veil and seeing the enemy at work? Oftentimes they just, you know, it's like, forget that. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. What do you do with that? Well, again, behind that rebellion is hurt. Behind that rebellion is a need to prove their worth. I find that when I share my story and that when we as parents connect with our kids in a way that we think back and can recall and remember how it feels to be a young girl wanting attention, um, and we become good listeners and we make a heart connection and we go beyond lecturing. And just truly try to identify with the the female heart has the certain cry from the time we're born. And it's, am I lovely? Am I lovely? Just like young men want to know, do I have what it takes to be a man? John and Stacey Eldridge termed that. But my whole point is that when we minister to that heart need, um, what I find in my experience is instead of teenagers, you know, rolling their eyes and getting annoyed at the, the the mention of abstinence and everything, they're actually just enthralled that there is a plan and it's a romantic plan. And it, um, there is a God who loves us for who we are. I mean, it, it kind of blows our mind. It takes time to instill these things. But um, I feel like when we move beyond lecturing and just sort of damage control, like, oh, I don't want you to put embarrassing pictures online. And I, I don't want you to make big mistakes that are going to make our family look bad. When we get past all that junk and reputation and just rules, and we really speak to the heart of their worth. I don't know a young lady that doesn't just sit there and drink that up. Oh, that I, I love it because that's true. I remember our daughter, how much she appreciated having me as her father, just love on her uh, without any other, uh, any other reason, just, just, just to be with her and love her and hug her and tease her and wrestle with her. And, and just to have a man that, that had no motive whatsoever except to care for her. It meant so much to her, I believe. Exactly. And when we don't have that, or we don't grasp that, even just that revelation of how you were being an extension of God, the father in her life, that's how God feels about us. Um, then we go the way of performance based love, where we're going to earn love, whether it's through beauty or success or whatever we tie to it, it's different for everybody. But where there's performance, there's punishment. And it's really the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I'm not trying to get too deep here. But God has called us to 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 just flow in that unconditional love. But for some of us, it's just so counterintuitive. I know it was for me because I just, I thought I had to prove myself. Basically, my baseline was you're worthless. <laughs> and unless you do something exceptional and make yourself stand out and then keep standing out, you're, you're just going to 
be abandoned and that's what you deserve. And so I had these very strong early, again, demonic messages that were so the opposite of the good shepherd. And I know that today's teenagers are just battling it. And even if they come from a good, loving home, um, my husband is an amazing father and my, my daughters have had their struggles. They need that just exactly what you're talking about, that affirmation and sense of worth that is not tied to performance and beauty and all these um, things that the world says can earn you love that never <laughs> earn love at all. That's for sure. And, and this isn't the place on this particular program to do this today. But there is much to be said about fathers teaching their young men uh, to treat women with dignity and honor and to love them the way they should be loved. And that's a very big missing ingredient in our culture today. No question. And unfortunately, again, when men are trying to answer, young men are trying to answer the question, do I have what it takes to be a man? The world says that conquering females proves <laughs> that you're a man. And young ladies think, am I lovely is answered through seduction. And so it's just, it's just taking our, our heart's question and abusing it. Well, you know, I have a really simple comment toward that. And it's this, uh, for a lot of young men that I've talked to, men are interested in sex. Women are interested in love and a woman will give sex for love and a man will give love for sex uh, to a degree. And I think a lot of a lot of things happen just because of the desire for that affection. Oh, exactly. And and even I think it's so important to clarify that even young men, yes, we understand very strong sex drive and they can learn to manipulate. But it is so rewarding for young men and grown men, married men to experience um, God's plan for sexuality outside of lust, which is never satisfied in sexual addiction. God has so much more even for men, you know, in that area of being loved for who they are outside of performance. A lot of that perversion is an attempt to prove they're a man. And God wants to answer that question, not through their sexuality, but through something much more profound, their identity in him. Well, that is exactly right. You have so much to say on this. What, what else, what other materials are, or do you have uh, on your website? What other things would help parents? Well, again, I have... Um, a quick read, little digital book that is easy to get a hold of that warns against the pitfalls of pornography. Of course, that's the there's the delusion series that we mentioned. Um, my husband and I had just the neatest time taking a group of couples through a series called Blessed in the Bedroom. So married couples, you know, we talk a lot about premarital abstinence, but what's God's plan to bless us when we are married? And so um, that series, video series is on the website. Um, so just resources like that, that are designed to be super helpful, whether it's parents or grandparents. Our grandparents, that's another whole issue. So many grandparents are raising their grandkids today. Right. And, and I can imagine, you know, maybe the discouragement that might come in, you know, I don't know, condemnation or, or, or wishing that there was more for their, their grandkids. But I want to tell you, God can work so powerfully through grandma and grandpa and their love. I mean, it can make all the difference. And I know my grandmother was a big influence in my life growing up. And when my mom had to work and, and couldn't stay home with me and I didn't feel good, or when I faked sick, <laughs> I would get to go to Nanny's house. And she was very nurturing and loving. So I just want to encourage grandparents that your role is invaluable and needed. Um, never underestimate, even if it doesn't feel like you're having quite the influence the culture is. God is so faithful to cause those seeds to come forth at the right time. So don't be discouraged if that's you. Yeah, so when your grandkids make fun of you and tease you, 
just go along with it and love them because what you have to say is probably impacting their heart more than you possibly could know. God is faithful to bring those things full circle. He really is. Well, Bill, I'll tell you what, it has been wonderful to have you on this program today, Laura. What What is your website? How do people contact you? It is lauragallier.com. So L-A-U-R-A and then Gallier, G-A-L-L-I-E-R.com. Um, I'm also on social media. There's a contact form on my website. And um, I take it very seriously when people reach out and just want to do everything I can to provide and equip parents with resources uh, to help empower their kids with purity and just a biblical worldview. Well, I'll tell you what, everyone listening to this needs to have their grandkids or their kids hear this message and then send them to the website. This is exactly what we need in our nation today, this kind of message for young people. Thank you so much for being here, Lori. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for all you do. Your podcast is such a gift. Well, thank all of you for listening today. And remember this, that you too have a story, and it's probably better than you think, and I would love to hear it. If you like this podcast, just go to my website, and you can subscribe at mygrandpajimmy.com. God bless all of you. Have a great day. Bye.